All right, last week, uh, we talked about shaky and hopeful. We talked about Zachariah, whose name means God remembers, and Elizabeth, whose name means God keeps promises. And we talked about their son, Yohanan, John, whose name means God is gracious. And we talked about how in the midst of a hard time, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of feeling maybe unforgotten or like there have been prayers left unanswered, Zechariah is there making that offering in the temple to the incense offering up, and then Gabriel shows up, and Zechariah is terrified, afraid, shaken to his very core, and yet still somehow hopeful in the midst of all of that. That's what we talked about last week. As we talked about that, we read the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, and then we had a scene break in the middle. Do you remember this? And the scene break was then Gabriel, so he goes and has this big conversation with Zachariah, and Zachariah goes back and does what Zachariah needs to do with Elizabeth. And then, scene break, Gabriel shows up and talks to Mary. Then we went back to the Zachariah and Elizabeth story. Well, today, we're going to talk about that scene break. And today's message is entitled, Keepers of the Songs. And it's from that in-between portion that we didn't skip over, but waited for, um, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Jesus, thank you so much for the blessing it is to be together, the blessing it is to hear one another's voices lifted up to you in worship, and the blessing it is to come and continue that worship through the study of your word. Jesus, as we are here in this space, make us aware of your presence in our midst. May we have hearts that are open, ears that hear, mouths that are loosed to praise, eyes that can see. May we sense what you are already doing and how you are already at work and how you are with us in both our moments where we feel far and our moments where we feel close to you and all that in between. Jesus, you are here. And we bless you for it. May this time glorify you. Amen. All right, let's read our text. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And Gabriel came to her and said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy and he will be called son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. 
In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she. Who, had, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the holy state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Title of our message is Keepers of the Songs on this second Sunday in Advent. Let's start by looking at our text a little more closely. Let's just start with all this information that Luke tends to pack right in to one single sentence right at the top. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So let's immediately note that Luke is telling us the when. When is this happening? It's happening in Elizabeth's sixth month. So she's showing, right? She's been hiding for a little while, making sure this thing that she's been praying and hoping for her whole life is about to happen. And now she's six months long. So Gabriel, beautifully, Luke with Gabriel, times this according to a woman's pregnancy. We don't get it in the sixth year of our Lord of King Herod. No, no. It's Elizabeth's six months of pregnancy. That's when this happens. Where is it happening? It is happening in Nazareth. Where's Nazareth? Well, last, last week, When we left off, the angel Gabriel was showing up in Jerusalem at a temple in Jerusalem, the only temple in Jerusalem, right? And so he's there in the house of God. And then also later on, we will talk about Bethlehem. So they're right in that little area there. Mary is all the way north in Nazareth in the southwestern portion of the Galilee region. Why are they there in Nazareth? What does Nazareth mean? In Hebrew, it's Netzer, and Netzer means a branch. Why would a town be called Netzer? Netzeret, because Isaiah 11 says, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. From his roots, a branch, a Netzer, will bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord will be with him. So this is a fulfillment of an anticipated messianic prophecy that when Messiah comes, he will be the branch out of Jesse. And that shoot will come out from the stump of Jesse, and the root, there will be a branch. So there, it seems that in the Hebrew Bible time period, before the second temple was built, 
There were a group of Israelites living up sometimes in the northern Galilee, Samaritans in the north Israel, but there wasn't a town yet called Nazareth. But after they were exiled and from Babylon and then returned, there were a group of them that returned from exile and said, you know what, we're going to start a little town, it's going to be a little village town, and we're going to name it Messiahville, because that's what we think, we think the Messiah will come from us. So there's a little bit of a like, mm, we're, the, we're from the Nazareth village, right? We believe Messiah is going to come through us. We're leaning into this prophecy. And in fact, today, if you're in Israel, people will refer to Christians as Nozrim, people of the branch. Okay? Nazareth. So that's where it's happening. It's a small village, maybe a few hundred people. It's not Judea. It's not under direct Roman occupation, although Rome is there, but it's not like that big heavy shadow in the same way. And Herod is there, but he's far away. And this beautiful view is out towards Mount Tabor from Nazareth is just on the other side of the hill and looking down into the gorgeous Jezreel Valley, which is the most important east-west crossing in the entire land. I know you wanted to know that, but you should. And so as you go and look, and Jesus grows up in a place where if you look over, you can just start to tell, I don't know, dozens of stories. Deborah, Barak, uh, with Sisera and Yael, that happens over here. He can tell the story of Elijah. He can tell the story of Elisha, all these stories playing out in his own backyard. Okay. Who is there? Well, Gabriel is going to make sure that right in Luke right here in this beginning is with the mention of Joseph of the line of David, Luke is reminding us of God's faithful covenant keeping again. So just like at the beginning of our story here in Luke where we talked about how Elizabeth and Zechariah were of the line of Aaron, now we're going to be recalling the line of David. And this is important because in 2 Samuel, God says, when the time comes for you, he's speaking to David, to die and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up for your descendant one of your very own children to succeed you, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a temple for my name. I will establish his kingdom. He will build a temple for my name, and I will establish his royal throne forever. So when we immediately hear, back to this, Joseph of the line of David, we're like, oh, so this could be a person through whom Messiah comes, because that was promised to David. So Luke is connecting us to all of that in just one sentence. The gospel goes on. Gabriel came to Mary and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Do you think she's sitting there going, I don't understand the words, greetings, or I don't understand the word, favored one. The Lord is with you. She's perplexed. Well, that word for perplexed, wait, first we can start stop right here. You found favor with God. Caris. Luke doesn't record what caused Mary to have favor with God. Isn't that nice? So good luck, everybody. There's no handbook. You just go all of a sudden, God might just decide you, you have found favor with me. And then seeing the angel, she's perplexed, terrified, afraid, diataraso, shaken up. It's that same word we used for Zechariah last time. It's from the same root. She is freaking out people. Okay. And it's fair. It's fair, right? Because Gabriel has a reputation. I mean, we, as the reader know, oh, that's the guy that if you ask him a question, he'll just shut you up for nine months. So good luck, everybody. Right. He doesn't only have this reputation with Zechariah. He also is the explainer of Daniel's visions in the book of Daniel. Zach, Gabriel's, he's been around, right? So Gabriel shows up, greetings, and something momentous and life-changing is about to happen now to this unmarried young Jewish woman on the outskirts of the empire. 
my dad used to call it something's going to happen music. Do you know when you watch a movie and then all of a sudden the music changes, you're like, oh, something's going to happen music. So that's definitely that soundtrack playing right now in Nazareth. Mary's sitting there by herself. So the angel says to her, don't be afraid. Easy for you to say, Gabriel. And for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Parthenos. The um, common English Bible translation might be more helpful for you. Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? Okay. So she's clear. How is this going to happen? I am a virgin. Fair question, isn't it? Apparently, Johann Wolfgang von Goth said, if you want a wise answer, ask a reasonable question. I think it's a reasonable question for her to ask. Anybody else? Yeah? She doesn't say, as Zachariah did, like, how can I know this is going to happen? Prove it. She says, like, give me some information (laughs) as to where, what's the next step for me here, right? Angelic visitors are willing to account for differences. Huffy angels can become unhuffy. This is very exciting for me. I want God to be able to say, hey, you know, if you're the priest and you're Zachariah and you're standing before God and you've been chosen by lot according to the temple of the priesthood to come in and burn incense before me and the angel Gabriel shows up, I might get huffy with you when you don't check my credentials, right? When you don't believe me. But teenage girl in Nazareth... In a town called Messiah Town, tiny little village, you get to ask a question. Aren't you glad that God treats us differently? I am. So she asks a question, and the angel says, well, it's easy, easy peasy. Ready? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This pigeon's saying, what are other words for clear as mud? Right? Like, would you be like, I'm not quite sure what that means? Obscure, opaque, cryptic, enigmatic, unclear. Okay, so then he continues on. By the way, you're going to give birth to the Son of the Most High. He will reign over the house of David. His kingdom will never end. And that's a lot of information to get in 30 seconds, right? You're going to, hey, got it. You're a virgin. Totally know that. No problem. Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Okay, sure, and you are going to give birth to God, God's self, and he's of the line of David. And not just will he rule now, but forever and ever and ever. Clear? Good? We're okay, right? Does she have any questions? Any further questions? Let's pause for a moment and listen to this poem by Drew Jackson from God Speaks Through Wounds. Theotokos. Young. Brown, from that side of town, and now with a baby on the way. You call her blessed, I've heard her call worse things. Thought, ho, bust down, tramp. No wonder she's troubled by this greeting. But they can't see what you see. What do they know? She is holy. Theotokos, overshadowed. The spirit hovers, and she is covered, ready to birth new creation, delivering us salvation. It's quite amazing, isn't it? What he's asking of her. And surprisingly, Mary does not ask for a sign. She doesn't say, how can I know it'll happen? But she gets one anyway. 
And the sign is that your cousin, Elizabeth Elisheva, the old one, she's pregnant. That's your sign. Another woman is pregnant. Another woman for whom nobody expected anything good to come. And that woman is also carrying a miracle. For nothing is impossible with God. That's the sign she gets. A sign she can't even comprehend. It's not even, she can't just go next door and check, right? So Mary's response, here am I. Here am I. I am the Lord's servant. The Greek is idou. Did I say that right, Kevin? Idou. Usually translated, behold. Look at me, Mary says. I am the Lord's servant. Here am I. Mary's genealogy in the story is silent, but she gets to tell her own story. She has agency in the presence of the divine messenger and in the shadow of an emperor. She can say yes or no. She is responsible for her own body. She's not yet married. Nobody owns her. And she gets to be responsible for her own future and her future identity. She gets to say yes. She could have said no. She gets to say yes. Here I am. Now, right after that, it says with haste, she goes to see Elizabeth. I would go with haste as well, right? So she's like, great, I'm out of here. <laughs> in case that angel shows back up to Nazareth, let's just, we've got enough going on. So in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town. We don't know exactly which one, but it's down in the hill country of Judea, again, somewhere maybe between Bethlehem, Jerusalem area. And she enters the house of Zechariah and greets Elizabeth. This land looks different than Galilee. Galilee is sort of the wild west. It's rugged. It has long horizon lines. It intersects with the rest of the Gentile world. But when you get to these Judean hills, they're tight. They're compact physically as well as sociologically. And they center around the temple in Jerusalem. And she goes some distance. It's not, it's not a day's journey. It's a several days journey. Several days. And she gets there, and she meets another keeper of the song. As soon as she shows up, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, a nice theme of Luke Acts, by the way. And she feels the blessing in her body as John leaps in her womb, and then begins, Elizabeth then begins to bless. And she says this, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Is that an incredible greeting? Particularly from another woman who is showing pregnant and also anticipating her own blessing. And Mary is not showing yet. Angel shows up. You're going to get pregnant. Holy Spirit overshadow you. Go. She hastens down. And it says that it's Elizabeth's sixth month. So Mary's, how does Elizabeth know this? She has this song inside. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And this song sings. Leap by Drew Jackson. The dream is no longer deferred. So we leap. We can't help it. It rises up from within, from deep guttural places. You can't contain our dance. Feel the pit pat. Hear the tip tap. That's the rhythm of freedom. Let the babies dance. Let them tell us of salvation. 
Let them lead us to liberation. The babies are inviting us into the dance of a future on the threshold of birth. And we will leap. We will leap. We will leap all the way there. Elizabeth is the first to utter the words of blessing in the Gospel of Luke, while her husband, the mute priest, still cannot bless. She prophesies. Elizabeth is unrestrained to bless, to prophesy, to exult. And then Mary, too, will burst into song as well. And both are prophets, filled with joy, with blessing, with hope, with justice, with peace, and with song. They leap at the good news with expectancy of what God is going to do. You see, because unless Mary ran up shouting, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth has the gift of prophecy. Because she has just met this woman and called it out. She's the first to announce Mary's pregnancy, not even able to be noticed, likely before she is showing. There is no six months of hiding here for Mary. Mary shows up before Elizabeth gives birth. Elizabeth is the sign confirming what Mary heard from Gabriel. Not just her pregnancy, but she's the sign because she's the one who calls out, Mary, This is happening in you. And by the way, do you know a lot of pregnant women who have a longed for pregnancy who are by the way, you're blessed. You other pregnant lady, you are more blessed than me. And your child is my Lord. What a crazy, amazing thing to be filled up within her that she announces. Let's take a moment and look at our sister Mary. Her name in Hebrew, Miriam. She's named after the sister of Moses, who knew how to protect and negotiate. You remember, Moses saw the baby boys are being killed, the Hebrew boys, by Pharaoh. And so Moses' mother hides him for as long as she can, and then places him in the reeds, and sets Miriam just not far off. And Miriam, as she sees Pharaoh's daughter go down and find Moses and draws him out of the Nile, she says, would you like me to go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? That's Miriam. Miriam, the protector of her brother. Miriam, the one who can put herself in the place where power will see her and where she can negotiate for her mother to be paid for what her mother wanted to do all along. Miriam, who led the Israelites in song at the Exodus as they crossed through the Sea of Reeds. The prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Miriam, the first woman in the Bible called prophet. Only Abraham and Aaron were called prophet before her. Miriam. That's who Mary is named after. Miriam. Mary and Miriam are keepers of the songs. They're the ones who remember to bring the tambourine and sing. They are poets and prophets and protectors. They lead with hopeful song, trusting promises rather than swords. Keepers of the songs believe the impossible. Mary speaks as if the reversals of fortune have already happened. She is singing the same song Hannah sang a thousand years earlier. God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile. God sits them with officials and gives them the seat of honor. Mary sings about salvation in the past and the present 
not about the far future. Salvation that is at hand, salvation that is within her, salvation that means freedom or release from current circumstances, slavery, poverty, illness, hunger, and thirst. Mary sings. She can feel the salvation in her body, in her soul, in her spirit, in her womb. She feels the song. She keeps that song. Mary does not sing a gospel of gain or wealth. She sings a gospel of trust. Mary's song is one that remembers God's promises of mercy and faithfulness to Israel, to Abraham and his descendants forever, and knows she knows that Jesus is how God is going to continue this covenantal song. This is the song she sings. That girl can sing by Drew Jackson. I mean, she can sing. She has a voice that can shatter shackles. Her tune is no soothing lullaby. It thunders down through the arena of time. Sing, Mary, sing. Like Fanny at the marches, like the high priestess of soul, belting out her black gold. Like Hannah breaking bows of mighty warriors. You better sing, Mary. Watch out. The sound of her voice will cast them down, way down. No doubt they will try to quiet you, soften you, make you into a domesticated maiden. But we're going to play this song. Go on, Mary. Bless our ears with your sonic theology. Lift us up with your melodic doctrine. Magnify, magnify. This voice is magnificent. What song? Will we carry? What song will we give birth to? Angelic visits require responses. Will we be mute or will we burst into song? Many of us in this room are keepers. We keep schedules, we keep calendars, we keep appointments, we keep homework assignments. We keep friends, we lose friends. We keep, we keep struggling, we keep trying to find ways to keep. But are we willing to keep a song? Are we willing to be the ones in our community that sing these songs to one another, that sing these songs over one another? When somebody walks up wondering if what they've heard God said to them to be true, will we sing over them? Do we know the song well enough to sing it for one another? Do we know the song well enough to join in? We can be the keepers of this song. We can follow in the footsteps of Miriam, of Hannah, of Elizabeth, of Mary, and others. We can keep these songs and sing them over and over again, declaring the amazing goodness of God's arrival in this world. My prayer spark is that we would find the keepers of the songs and that we would have ears that hear and may we ourselves learn to sing. May we learn to sing.
going to turn our hearts towards the table, towards this beautiful, welcoming table in our midst. This table for whom all are welcomed and invited. This table that still sings a song and a story to us today. For in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Spark all are welcome at this table. All who are thirsty, come and drink. All who are hungry, come and eat. The table has been prepared for you.